forgive me for what the stove did. Nobody touched the billy until hope did. How many billionaires can come from hope crib? I count three, me, A, and Bree. Welcome back to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. It's been a long time, but uh, we're ready to come back for football season. Rob, what it do? Man, I can't believe you stepped on Jay's bars right there. He was he was shouting out uh, Bron on the track. Hey, bro, that's a sports podcast. They can listen to that shit on Spotify. <laughs> but did you listen to the album? Hell to- no. You ain't listen to God Did? Hell no. I, I like I, I'm track. married with a 10-year-old son, bro. You know what I did? <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning how to I'm learning how to dribble between my legs on NBA 2K22. That's, that's what I've been working on. Well, for the good people who have a little bit of extra time on their hands, like myself, uh, I like the little DJ Khaled album and the God Did track. Jay-Z had is it like an eight-minute track with Rick Ross and Lil Wayne. Uh and got some future on there, a little bit of everybody in there, future and scissor. Everybody's on there. I'm gonna check it out after tomorrow. I've been, you know, doing my fantasy football strategy. Mm, you're gonna need some working on my plan for tomorrow night coming for that ass this year i'm gonna win it i'm gonna win it all this year my strategy is fire when's the last time you won won it all 2011 Mm. i don't remember the last time i won i just know i was watching fences in the movie theater when the championship (laughs) came through uh and brad garball did text and let him know what time speaking of music though what's your thoughts on uh i heard a couple people talk about beyonce Man, you I can't. Right, you know, Beyonce, Drake, all of that dance music with all of that. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't fool with none of it. I, I, I didn't. I listened to each one of those albums one time, and then I haven't pressed play on them ever. Again. Erica been listening to it till she like it. <laughs> She's like forcing that's, herself to that's like what it. people do with Beyonce. Unfortunately, Drake didn't have the same luck. I feel like people just put Drake's album down. Yeah, which is uh, that's everybody. Everybody says if you don't like Drake and Beyonce's album, it's because you break it, broken. You ain't never been nowhere. <laughs> they say it's it's the it's music that you're gonna hear in a hotel lobby in an island somewhere. You know, you take a little trip to Turks and Caicos or something that it's gonna be playing in the hotel lobby. But if you like me and you ain't never been to Turks and Caicos, I guess you can't appreciate that. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Well, if if I if I gotta go to uh, you know Biloxi, Mississippi, I can identify. So <laughs> <laughs> they playing in Biloxi, Mississippi is NBA young boy. <laughs> I can't identify with my life yet. One day, one day, not yet. What's been going on, bro? What's been doing this summer? You know, I'm, I'm getting over my my second bout with COVID over here, but uh, yeah. like stay with COVID. <laughs> been two years, but don't do that. Next, next, time, next time we talk, you gonna have monkeypox. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you come to town this weekend, wear a mask. You wear a mask around your It's ass. been a whole two calendar years since I had COVID. I don't like people doing that. I got the Omicron. The first time I had real COVID, this time I got the fake COVID. That shit only lasted for like five days. Man. I shook it off. Shook it off. So I'm, I'm back. Back yeah. in the land of living, back at yeah, work. Nasty. He got that ass o'clock. <laughs> nasty. <laughs> Out there in the streets. I went to a concert. I went to Blast, another artist you probably don't know. He I sure don't. <clears throat> he was in Fort Lauderdale. I drove up to see him. But Blast is appreciated by a lot of younger artists. And so, you know, young people ain't got the damn vaccine. And they out there smoking black and miles and cigarettes and weed and everything else. And just, you know, germs everywhere. You know, yeah. can't be places where young people are. Well, uh, we're going to the game this Sunday. LSU, Florida State, wear a mask. I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> I can't afford to be sick. Not only are we going to the game, but uh, we got a bet on the three and a half point spread. Now, see, now, I saw three, bro. That's what mm. I saw. Exactly. We made the bet. The spread was three and a half. But it, it don't even matter because it's going to be a blowout. But that's really why I want to record tonight because I want to have it on wax. <laughs> so you can bring my $100. To the game on Sunday. That's these are child's play bets, hundred dollar bet. Oh, I know. Yeah, I'm just using that to make a real bet on my season's app. <laughs> it's my seed money. But uh, well, uh, FSU opened the season up this weekend. Started off with Duquesne. Uh, won the game forty-seven-seven. Had three hundred yard rushes. Uh, I so, damn scrimmage. You know, Tell the truth. No passing touchdowns. Jamboree. <laughs> I, we. I think we might have had a passing touchdown. If we didn't have a passing touchdown. We had a long pass where the guy got tackled on like the two yard line. Johnny Wilson, I think, a six seven receiver transfer we got caught a long pass. Um, I, I understand why they call it week zero because because everybody has zero interest in the games. This, I mean, it's me, me and Darren <laughs> went watch some of the games and that that shit was terrible, bro. Like, 
Florida State Duquesne, do uh what UNC FAMU. Speaking uh, of UNC FAMU, I, like everybody on my dad's side of the family went to 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 FAMU. It's uh you know family schools in Tallahassee, but you know this whole kick that we tried to start a few years back about young athletes, black athletes going to HBCUs. I mean, they really have destroyed this. It was a uh, McCore maker, right? Yep. He went to Howard. We have not heard his name again. I think he played <laughs> full games. <laughs> it's a documentary on Apple TV. And I made it through three episodes and I could tell this was going to end in a disaster. <laughs> I mean, they don't have the facilities. I think he may have been ranked a little bit higher than he should have been ranked. And he also was affected by COVID. But mind you, we're like three years removed from that. And he's playing like in Australia somewhere. I'm about to say he's not in a league. He left yeah. after that first year. Um, and so what's the next big news? Uh, Jackson State. Dion goes to Jackson State. He's still what a big recruit from Florida State. And, you know, he's going to he's the highest ranked recruiting class for an HBCU ever. And now they can't flush their toilets. <laughs> I mean, not to be fair, the water crisis is all over the city of Jackson, Mississippi, but that's also why you just don't go to college. Niggas better go get an NIL deal with Kentwood. That's also why you don't go to college in Jackson, Mississippi. And then, yes, fam, you had 20 players that were deemed ineligible. They tried to figure out who was responsible. <laughs> so they went to FAMU's website to figure out who their compliance director was. And the person listed as a compliance director works at another university. So <laughs> apparently not only do they need a goddamn compliance director, they need somebody to update the university website. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So, you know, this idea of us uh, sending black talent to HBCUs, it ain't going so well right now. <laughs> We're not even right, but we supposed to be taking that fall. Listen, I, I, you know, if McCoy Maker would have gone to Morehouse, I'd have told him that, that was some <laughs> You better rethink that shit. You better go graduate school. But uh, I will say, I, I'm strongly considering I'm going to be up in the New York area September 18th, and Morehouse plays Howard uh, at MetLife Stadium. You ain't strongly Strongly consider going to the game. Yeah, I'm Stop strongly it. considering it. Well, I, I guess what? If you want to see it, you better go because damn sure it's going to be on TV. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be on television. It'll probably be on television. Well, uh, which McCall it plays this weekend? FAMU Jackson State in Miami. Yeah, that's going to be the game. That'll be nationally televised. Yeah. Last week, um, who played? It was, was it not Alcorn? Uh, RG3 was calling the game on ESPN. Oh, it, was, uh, game. it was Alabama uh, State. Yeah, it was and, a uh, it was a MEAC SWAT game. Yeah, who the two teams were, but it was a MEAC SWAT game. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, they have been getting more coverage. I think we got better uniforms. I mean, it's yeah. just it's, it's really hard. The funding for the universities as a whole, like, it's hard to to convince these schools to invest in athletics when the campuses themselves need so much. I mean, when you look at the landscape of college football, it's it's hard for Tulane. You know Vanderbilt, uh, Rice. You know these these teams are group of fives. Power, like Vanderbilt's power five outside of the money they get from from revenue sharing. I mean they just up until recently they, they didn't even have an athletic department. It was like a intramural sports slash athletic department combined at, at Vanderbilt. So it's just um, outside of your big blue bloods, it's really hard to compete. And then I don't know if you saw, but um. Who was that who just redid their athletic facilities? They spent like a hundred million dollars. I can't remember who it was. Um, it might have been Miami. I think Miami yeah. just spent a whole lot of money on the um on and the line. I'm sure with their redoing everything, they're still not like on the same level as a Texas AM or even probably right. a Clemson with regard to Alabama. Uh, Alabama. So, but um before we get into everything, we're gonna talk a lot about college football. We got we got to talk about NFL. Also, got to get to Kevin Durant because he uh he made some trend to me trend demands only trade demands only to to, to uh take him back last week. But uh, real quick, LSU Florida State. What you think? Who you got? Well, I haven't really scouted y'all out too much. Um, 
but Florida State, they may be holding something in the tuck in terms of what they're going to do in this passing game, but they really came out, and, and for the last few years since Jimbo left, when he left, he left the cover bear on the offensive line, and ever since then, they've been trying to figure out how to fix the offensive line. And uh, Coach Atkins, who's the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach, He's a brother and well-respected, and what he's been able to do is retool the offensive line through uh, transfers and recruits. So the offensive line now is probably better than it's been since Jimbo was there. But that just means that it's, like, power five good because it's been historically bad for the last five years, which is why we haven't been able to crack 500. Um so establishing that we could run the ball against Duquesne is just like establishing that we are back to playing power five level football. I don't know that that speaks to our ability against LSU. Um, so in short, in order to be able to perform against LSU, we're gonna have to be able to throw the ball downfield. Um, we have an athletic quarterback. Uh, they got him on some watch lists, mm-hmm. but last year he probably only threw for like 1800 yards and maybe 15 touchdowns but he split time with uh mckenzie milton so coming in this week we're going to try to establish the run which we were able to do last year against notre dame and we have an even better offensive line coming in this year but i still don't think that when you talk about a team like notre dame um that's gonna be a fair comparison to what uh SEC defensive line is going to look like. Um, so, you know, I still don't think we win the game, but I think we're capable of covering the spread. Uh, but I think in order to do that, uh, our quarterback, Travis, is going to have to be able to get outside the pocket, make plays with his feet, and make plays with the ball down the field. Like, we ain't about to have three 100-yard rushes against LSU. And right. so that week zero game, while it probably was good for confidence and um, – you know, obviously, we lost to Jacksonville State to start the year last year um, and went into overtime with them and Willie Taggers last year. So it's good for confidence, but it doesn't speak to what we're going to be able to do uh, this coming Saturday. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what happens. LSU's coming out the first losing season since 1999. So uh, we're not coming with a, a full cupboard, but change coaches. We got Brian Kelly. We still haven't named the starting quarterback. He said he won't. So it's going to be out of Jaden Daniels and, and Garrett Nussmeyer. I'm assuming Jaden Daniels is going to be the start. Got to be, be the start. Over 30 starts. Yeah, at Arizona State. Um, but to, I mean, to your point, like we still don't know what we're going to get. Like I'll basically all four starting or all four cornerbacks, the two starters, the nickel and the dime are all transfers. <clears throat> we're expecting a strong D-line. And then our linebackers are, you know, coming along, but none of them really started. Had a lot of extensive starting experience last year outside of Micah Bakersfield, and apparently he is a backup now. So the two guys we got starting um, in in our four-two-five are new starters. So we'll see what happens. I think the strength of the defense at least is in is in the defensive line. So I guess in that sense, it's going to be strength on strength. Florida State's O line against uh, LSU's defensive line. Offensively, we got some good wide receivers, but we got a transfer Noah Kane at running back from Penn State. We got a new quarterback, uh, and our offensive line changed out. So we got, I think, three or three or four new starters on the offensive line. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what what happens. I, I think LSU wins. I'm hoping they win big, but honestly, I don't know what to expect. I think it's going to be close. I, I know I'm shocked that nationally televised game LSU Florida State on Labor. I mean Sunday before Labor Day, the only game on. Two unranked teams. That's hard to believe. Yeah. Two. That's yeah, I know when they scheduled this game, they didn't think that yeah. was yeah. going to be the case. I think they but, scheduled it when Jimbo was still the coach, though. So yeah. And I think I think uh at least one of these two teams will be ranked after this week and and probably moving forward. Um I mean, realistically, so, if FSU wins six or seven games, that's a turnaround season for them. Definitely. definitely. Coming off multiple five win seasons. And I was gonna say that the big thing with FSU last year was you know, even to the extent that they were more competitive than when you would have expected against Notre Dame, not only was it the run game, but you also had uh, Jermaine Johnson who had transferred from UGA defensive end. And uh, the other defensive end was also a transfer. Both of them left. So that pass rush covered for a defense that was really subpar last year. And we're not going to have a Jermaine Johnson. We'll have the other defensive end. Um, and if you, 
start the Slim Reaper, as I'm a nickname on Jaden Daniels. That's his name, right? Yeah, I, man. His freshman year, what game did they play? I think it was like week one, uh, and he led a comeback, I feel like, at the end of a game uh, early on his freshman mm-hmm. year at Arizona State. And I've been kind of following him ever, him yeah. ever since. Uh, I, I just feel like he's going to win the job. Yeah, I, I feel like he's, he's mobile. You know, the knock on him, maybe he has a long delivery and he's really slim. Um, but if you can't get a pass rush, then I don't know that that long delivery is going to hurt too much because you can't right. knock the balls down and you can't get to them. And, um, you know, we have a we have a depth, quote-unquote, at linebacker, but not a high skill level to the extent that, like, I don't know, he might be able to get out the pocket and, and run mm-hmm. us a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, any other games or, or teams you're looking forward to this season? Any any dark horses? I mean, you know Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia. They're going to be in the mix for the national championship. But you got any surprising teams or, you know, teams you're interested in seeing Lincoln Riley's over at USC. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm really interested in seeing what Lincoln Riley does. Cause USC, you know, we know that when they are relevant, like all of college football is different. Like LA right. is a fun place and to have, um, you know, USC be relevant again, who I think would be great for college football. They're preseason ranked number 14, I think. And um, I just think that, it's another one of those kind of blue blood programs that if they start winning, they're going to vault them up the, the polls the real quick. Yeah. I'm also <clears throat> pretty interested, not just because I live here, but um, with Cristobal coming to Miami, he's a Miami guy. He's known and loved here. And they've been hyping. Uh, yeah. Recruiting has already shifted. It's kind of back to the old days of um, just a lot of dirty recruiting. You're seeing a lot of like, uh, Miami recruits posting a lot of negative stuff on social media about Florida and Florida State. And so you got a guy coming from Oregon and Cristobal who, you know, he was winning at Oregon. Um, like you said, they just built a new facility to rock pay for that. Mm-hmm. They are getting good NIL deals because they have some lawyer named Johnny Ruiz we've talked about on past podcasts who has a ton of money to throw out players and NIL deals. And so, you know, nobody has dominated the state of Florida in the past few years, like it used to be back in the day. The state of Florida always has more top 100 or 150 ESPN athletes usually than any other state. And all you have to do is get like more of those players than any other school, which is what the Florida, the top Florida school used to always be able to do. And now it's been where like Bama and Ohio State have been and Clemson have been getting more Florida players, more high level four and five star Florida players than the Florida schools. And so Florida State's still not back. Florida's still not back in Miami's ranked in the top 25 to start the season. So if he can push them and start to bring their recruiting back, like they could jump to the forefront real quick. I mean, Norvell has been a slow burn at Florida State. And then, uh, they got my guy from University of Louisiana Lafayette in yeah, Florida. Yeah. Um, What's his name? Uh, Philly Napier. Philly Napier. And yeah. uh, like I've heard mixed reviews about what's going on down there, and the all the positive reviews out of the state of Florida have been in Miami. So USC and Miami are my two blue blood programs that I'm looking for uh, a bounce back season. Um, you know, because some just don't feel right about like schools like Baylor and Utah being in the top ten. It's just right. you know. I mean, I've seen some. Per- <laughs> Experts think that Miami got a shot at winning a ACC, uh, beating Clemson. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, like Clemson, I- quiet as kept or not so quiet as kept, has been on a downward spiral the last few years. And some would argue that it has to do with the loss of their coordinators. And I mean, uh, you know, they lost a the defensive coordinator out of Oklahoma. Um, yeah, of they lost one of their uh, offensive Elliott, coordinators. I well, I think, yeah, they. I think Tony Elliott, they had co-offensive coordinators for a while. Right. Um, but they, you know, lost uh, his he lost his co-offensive coordinator first and then he went to UVA. I, I don't even know who they're coming in with an OC as this year. But, you know, everybody always said Dabo was kind of I used to always crack the joke that Dabo was essentially Coach O. Yep. You know, they were mascots who kept good coordinators, but 
if you strip them of their coordinators, then uh, <clears throat> they would be exposed. And uh, I, I think that might be what's happening at Clemson right now. Yeah, now I think you're going to see Dabble get exposed. Oh. I also think the NIL is affecting Clemson too. Definitely. Nobody wants to go to South Carolina, and there's no businesses in South Carolina. So Yeah, I think some schools were able to get all of that money and build some gangster facilities. And then when you go back to them and say, now you got to pay the players through NIL, they're tapped out. Not every mm -hmm. city or state has the ability to, to do all of that. Yeah, with NIL, I think you're going to see the rise of Miami, USC, Texas A&M with that oil money. Texas. Uh, Austin, you know, got a big alumni base. That's going to that's gonna be to see how long they allow NIL to go before NCAA or some kind of ruling body steps in and, and makes some kind of uh, constraints, put some kind of constraints on how do you manipulate the NIL? Because uh, right now it's just wild, wild west. And I think, yeah, I mean, the, the states got ahead of the states got ahead of right. the NCAA on that. And so the NCAA just essentially was forced to pass that without any real legislation in place. So, so, um, real quickly, your top four college football. If you had to, if you had, had to name a four for the, the, the college football playoff, who you got? I mean, I'm a, it's gonna be real cliche and chalk. I mean, it's UGA obviously defending champion, and they had tons of depth. I don't see a reason not to keep them there. You know, Bama. Nick Saban said last year was a rebuild year. <laughs> um, Ohio State. You know, they got Stroud coming in, um, and oh man. I'm done. Most mom, I have three out of my four teams being a um, SEC teams because I'm about what? to. I was about to put Texas A&M up in there. Yeah, no hmm. way. Wait, two coming. <laughs> Let me. I'm gonna go with Michigan. Yeah, yeah, we go uh, with Michigan. All crazy ass. The, I, I don't see. I don't see Notre Dame running the table, um, and I just feel like Oklahoma would be. You know an easy pick, but I, I also don't see Brent Venables do that. Baylor might be a dark horse because we're talking about Miranda. Miranda, they look good last year and you give him another year to, to put his program together. Um, and given the way things can be, where it's essentially just a, a team from all of the major conferences, they, they might have a shot in there. Yeah. I like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state. And then my dark horse is USC just because I, I think <laughs> Pac-12 is weak, Right, right for somebody to take over. Oh, with, with Cristobal leaving Oregon, I don't expect them to have the same season. Other than that, there's really no other big teams. Lincoln Riley's gonna come. He got Caleb Williams to transfer from Oklahoma with him. Um, while I think USC is average, they do play Notre Dame, so that'll be a top ten win. I think they'll get. Uh, and then if they run run a Pac-12, they just they dying to get a Pac-12 team in that college football playoff. So USC is my my dark horse if I had to pick somebody. But I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Oklahoma and Venables because um, he's a good defensive coach. But they lost a lot. A lot of that team got raided when when Lincoln Riley left. So, but somebody got to win the Big Twelve. So yeah. out of Texas, and Oklahoma, I just don't know how um, deep Texas is, and they got a, a week two matchup against Alabama. So depending on how badly they get beat, they might be out out of the, the college football playoff running from the get go. So. We'll, we'll and uh, yeah, I mean, their you know their biggest matchups are going to be you know Baylor and Oklahoma State, but other right. than that, um, oh, and uh, circle USC Utah on your schedule because um, that's probably what the Pac-12 is going to be decided by. That's October fifteenth, USC Utah. Early, early. Um, I want to talk a little bit NFL. I know the season don't start for two weeks, but uh, hard knocks. You've been watching it? I've been watching Hard Knocks. I think it's hilarious. Also, you just said week two. Week two is – week two, Bama is Texas, not Oklahoma. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Week two is, is Texas, Bama. Texas, yeah. that, that – yeah, so Oklahoma doesn't they, – they don't have that uh, – they don't have them on their schedule at all. No, no, no. They, don't have, they have the Red River shootout with Texas. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. Texas, um, Bama. Which I'm going to call it. Hard Knocks – I think – I've been liking Hard Knocks. I, yeah. I think I texted on the group text that I think it's hilarious that they have – I don't know if I'm getting old where every coach on their staff is a player that I watched growing up. Um, and some of them, like, I, 
not some of them, almost all of them, I think I watched in college and the pros. I know I watched Antoine Randall in the pros. I remember mm-hmm. having Aaron Glenn's rookie card. I remember watching Deuce Staley's entire career. I remember Mark Brunel with the Jacksonville Jaguars early in his career. And obviously, we all remember Dan Campbell as a Saints tight end. Um, so the entire coaching staff um, is just players that we all know. And I don't know if if this is like crazy in me, but it makes me feel like it, it, it feels like when your your friend is the teacher of the class, like you like he don't know what he's talking about. I mean, that's that's how I be feeling the whole time I'm watching Hard Knocks. I feel like these dudes don't know what they're talking about, especially when Aaron Glenn and Deuce Daly just start arguing through every session. And I'm like, you can't be focused on the plays you call them. Right. You're doing too much screaming and yelling. If, if nothing else, it's entertaining. It's hilarious. I, Ain't um, no coaching going on. Straight. No, not at all. Pure not ignorance. At all. Not, not at all. It's, it's, it's nothing but a bunch of... Uh, what you call it, like cliches, football right. cliches, tons of one-liners, hurrah speeches. Yeah, it's like a movie, actually. It, it's like it's like the replacements. You know, it's like some some misfits became the head coach and brought all his friends, and uh, it's gonna coach a one in fifteen team, one in sixteen team. Some people have a uh, Detroit peg though as a as a team to to watch out for. That's gonna gonna turn around maybe when like I seven. Don't. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm get out in front of that right now. I still got them finishing last in that division. Well, no, the Bears are gonna be awful too. Yeah, yeah, the Bears are gonna be bad. But um, I, I'm glad that they, you know, reviving the the hard knock show because at least I look forward to every Tuesday to, to at least check it out to see what they're talking about. And but my boy, uh, my boy Rodrigo, Rodrigo, got he got the roster. Great White Hope, Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end. Detroit. What you about what you thought about uh? When uh Hutchinson performed, was the Billy Jean? Yeah, he started out a little rough, but he had a little rhythm with him. Right, right. <laughs> he had a little rhythm with him. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought the comedian was funny. Cracked a few jokes on uh Dan Campbell up downs. Yeah, was in yoga pose. Um, which by today was cut day. But Jamal Williams, but side note, Jamal oh, Williams needs to tone it down. The crying at training camp practice, bro. One like. He's trying to get his moments so bad on Hard Knocks. Yeah, like tone it down just a little bit. Uh, what he said, he what he said, he caught me with um, uh, puppies piss on the porch or something. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit much. Yeah, a bit much. <laughs> if if you a puppy if piss on the porch, like a puppy say on the porch. <laughs> That was it, and he said that let made cry. And let the big dogs fucking eat. <laughs> you know, you know, he had wrote that one down the night before, <laughs> right? He definitely memorized that one. It was like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna definitely get this speech in. Um, okay. but we, we'll see what happens. They'll still be bottom of the barrel. What a uh, cut they came today. We we talked about it off the pod. Nobody really noticeable. Um, but. Any surprise teams that you're looking forward to seeing? Like, I know you got who is it, Russell Wilson and in, Diana in, uh, Denver. That's going to be a tough division. Any any teams that you see that didn't make the playoffs last year that might make it this year? Hmm. Anybody I see? Uh, well, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if the if the Eagles uh, made the playoffs this year. Um, like I like what they've done in the offseason. And I think that, well, I mean, obviously they just got Chauncey Gardner Johnson from us today. And um, Dallas lost his, you know, left tackle Tyrus. Yeah. Um, and they had already lost uh their right tackle. Right. Uh, at LSU. Um, and so and the Giants obviously gonna be trash. So you, you can't really sleep, and maybe again, Homer, because I live here now, on the Dolphins necessarily with, you know bringing in Tyreek Hill with the defense that was already strong um, and Tua hopefully being healthy this year. And the Patriots looking like they're poised for a huge fall off. I don't know what Bill Belichick is doing. I'm starting to wonder if he's like senile or something. Right, he got uh, Matt, Matt Patricia, offensive coordinator, everybody who's watching the practice and say, look, it's disorganized. The plays aren't working. Um, it just seems like it's the epitome of arrogance. It, it just seems like it's like the fall of Rome. Like this dude just will not – Except the fact that he, you know, was also somewhat reliant on having 
you know, Josh Daniels as his offensive coordinator. Uh, and, you know, the offense at times carried the defense for the mm-hmm. Patriots and not the other way around all the time. And it seems like he's out to prove something. And so uh, if everybody's describing that correctly, you got the Jets who are per- perennially trash, the Patriots who uh, are, look like they're poised for a fall off. Um, uh, I mean, the Raiders made the playoffs last year, but, you know, they 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 should uh, probably get in again. But the Chargers, I yeah. think, is somebody that we should be looking for, um, especially with uh, the Steelers probably going to fall off. I think the Browns, um, because of the 11-game suspension of Deshaun Watson and they didn't get Garoppolo today, I think that that's going to kind of probably leave them out. So I think uh, I'd say the Dolphins and the Chargers are probably two teams I look for in the AFC. That AFC um, West is going to be on fire. You're talking about the Chargers, the Broncos, the Chiefs, right. the Raiders. Like like the worst team, team is probably the Broncos, and they just added uh, right. Russell Wilson. Right, and the Raiders were at the bottom. They added Devontae Adams. So like you, right, right. You got some talent in that division, for sure. Yeah, and then over in the NFC, I mean, Seahawks going to fall off a cliff. Yeah. Um, and so you still got the three powerhouses in the NFC West. I think the Eagles might be poised to take the East now that the Cowboys might fall off. Um, I still think the North is the same. Packers gonna dominate, Lions and Bears gonna be trash, and the Vikings probably gonna be so so. Yeah. Um, and then the South gonna be the Saints and the Bucks fighting. Now don't sleep on the the Panthers. I mean, you know, I, I think that Baker is an upgrade and you always are um uh McCaffrey healthy backfield away from being a contender so uh they're not going to be an easy out I don't think they're going to be a playoff team but I think they're going to be a, a team that you can't just be like yeah, oh that's going to be a win right yeah <clears throat> I don't think they're going to make the playoffs but I think they're a team that can knock a team out of the playoffs right um any uh any big storylines in the NFL you're looking forward to or you saw this summer? Listen, man, I think this Tom Brady storyline is understated. Crazy. Like, this dude, so let's start from the beginning, right? Because I had this conversation with some people who just didn't believe me. The Sean Payton storyline with Tom Brady is now confirmed, right? They definitely at least reached out to the agents. Allegedly, there may have been a boat where Stephen Ross basically told Tom Brady and Sean Payton he'd bring them in together and Tom Brady would get like ownership share after he retired after I guess playing for a year or two or something like that now it explains the tweets where he's talking about Miami like saying ooh ah about certain stuff mm-hmm. with regards to Miami which otherwise we're like what the hell is this about right and we know that he had this um potentially television deal. So I don't know if you can have ownership share and also be on television. Yeah, I don't think that's yeah legal, actually. Um, and so if that was something he was considering, we know it at least that it was offered. And then we know that he then retired and Sean Payton inexplicably retired too, right? So it seems as if both of them potentially were angling for something, which all folded when the lawsuit was filed and their reaction both of them was to just retire instead of returning to their two teams now you know uh bruce arian steps aside tom brady comes back we all kind of know that the rumors that giselle wasn't too happy about that and then all of a sudden he asked for some type of leave of absence they asked ty Bowles when he's coming back ty Bowles can't really answer the question he says it's kind of unknown and then all of a sudden, Tom Brady says he's coming back in a few days. He comes back from a press conference. They asked where he was. He said, I'm 45. I'm dealing with a lot of shit. He, oh, looks, he looks a little slim in the face. Like he yeah, he looks a little, room, yeah, a little yeah. stressed out. And, you know, the thing that we've always thought to be what made Tom Brady so great was his focus and his buy-in. And then you got to throw in the fact that They've already lost two offensive linemen for the season. Gronk has not re-signed. Leonard Fournette reports back significantly overweight. Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominic and Sue and uh, I think it was one of the cornerbacks uh, all exited stage left. And some of those offensive linemen they lost also. So they, some of the one of the injuries at least was a was a replacement player. Um, and, and then Ryan Jensen. So that's not a roster that's going to look the same. And 
you know, maybe he's, I just think maybe he's second guessing himself. Maybe mm-hmm. he's second guessing the decision to come back for one more year. 45 is pretty damn old to be getting out there, playing football, getting hit, especially like now you're talking about an offensive line that's probably going to look a little bit more like the offensive line that Jameis played behind. Right. Um, right. They did go get him Julio Jones and Kyle Rudolph, but we both know that those two guys and their last teams were done. You know, they'll be hurt by week six, man. Yeah. So, um, so and Chris Godwin was not going to be back week one, right? So, um, I just get the feeling he's not too excited about being out there, but you know, that doesn't mean that it'll look the same way come playoffs. But what if stuff starts to just continue to continue uh, to disintegrate? Um, that to me is kind of a storyline because you don't at, at Tom Brady at 45, you don't want to go out bad, you know, what I'm right? Saying? Exactly. Especially exactly. not when you could have rolled off into the sunset with a Super Bowl victory. He looked, man, that press conference, he looked bad. Yeah. He looked like he needed a potato or something. Like, <laughs> like that TB12 ain't getting it done. <laughs> but uh, I feel bad, though, for the brother Ty Bowles. As soon as he get it, shit start falling, falling right. apart. Right? Like, and realistically, on. you're probably only getting Tom Brady for one more year at most. And then a lot of those guys who kept resigning, well, they're gonna be gone too, and now you're just gonna have a regular average football team with right. without the without the best looking future. Look, we're gonna we're gonna get into um NFL preview next week. We're gonna talk about division winners, uh predicting you know league MVP, offense MVP and stuff. So I'm I'm gonna leave it at that for the NFL unless you got something oh, to say. Yeah, because I just forgot you asked me about storylines. I mean, the obvious one is the Deshaun Watson storyline and the yeah, Hunter yeah. Matt Ariza who just got cut. I mean, oh, you know, the we gotta NFL, talk about that. The, the way the NFL is is looking about how they view women, obviously they had to cut the punter. I mean, uh, a rape of a 17-year-old 17. who came in apparently bloody, and you know, apparently there's potentially witnesses to this and the criminal investigation in that situation is not over with. She filed civil suit because criminal charges hadn't been pursued, but apparently the criminal investigation is still open. So okay. they had to cut him and he got cut today. Yeah. Um, but the Deshaun Watson situation where he got a six game suspension and I think the final came out at 11. Um, it just seemed in a $5 million fine, but he got 230 million guaranteed. Like it comes off as a slap on the wrist. It just kind of seemed like the easy thing was to suspend him for a year and that's what he even prepared himself for and then they didn't even live up to the expectation that everybody had for the situation right and when you compare it to like the ridley situation where he was uh suspended indefinitely and countless other ones we could go down the list um it just doesn't seem to measure up well and of course they'll go to the we brought a federal judge in she reviewed everything um but it it just seems like this huge about face you roger goodell has power he was doing things one way and now you bring in this independent federal judge and you would think that she would at least act in keeping with your prior mm-hmm. you know, penalties and then they can appeal it and go to another judge mm-hmm. and so it just seems like the whole process is in place to for the nfl to eventually get what they want if they don't you know although they didn't get the year they got 11 games of five million uh because they weren't happy with the initial ruling but the the whole punishment policy seems a bit off um and i mean his situation was super complicated in that you know it wasn't as simple as did he do this yes or no i mean clearly he was getting massages with happy endings and then it just becomes complicated in terms of like all of these other women settle so they're not going to really say too much more you have one suit to still pending i mean for me it seems like when you it's kind of like the bill cosby situation when the number gets over 20 it seems likely that at least at some point you expose yourself to one or more massage therapists who did not sign up for that expect it want it welcome it um and even you know maybe one or two of them didn't sign up for it and maybe went along with it after the fact because they felt you know pressure in the situation all of which is is improper and a basis for um some type of punishment so a man uh my way out got a problem yeah he got a problem there's a lot of different ways that he could have gone about doing that and the massage therapy thing and and that massage therapy with women who aren't otherwise inclined to give happy endings is just such a random way to yes uh, try to get your rocks to to fly nine certified massage therapists from atlanta to houston like you got a problem bro yeah so 
we'll we'll see him at the end of the year um, <clears throat> and, and see what happens from there. It's just so wild to me that he's going to be playing this season. Yeah. Because the minute he steps onto the field, I mean, we already yeah. saw it. The signs are going to come out. On both sides. On both sides. We saw all signs um, yeah. in support of him, which was crazy. But, you know, it is what it is. We'll um, we'll, we'll get back to Watson in about 12 weeks. Um, real quick, I want to talk a couple things. We got uh, Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving drama. The Nets drama just in general. Kyrie came out said he wanted to be traded. Then he then he said, uh, you know, they couldn't find a trade partner, so he's got one year left. So they, we'll see what happens there. Then you have Kevin Durant, who demanded a trade, I think, right before the 4th of July. <clears throat> uh, came back about a month after that, maybe a month to six weeks after that, and met with the owner of New uh, Brooklyn Nets, said that he would stay if they got rid of the GM, Sean Marks, and head coach. What's the head coach's name again? Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Uh, who Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant is highly believed to have been the uh, guys pushing for Nash to get hired in the first place because KD worked with Nash uh, in Golden State. So now he asked for them to be fired. The, the owner came out, said no, took <clears throat> and for the GM and, and for Steve Nash. And a couple of days later, I guess it's about a week ago now, Kevin Durant comes out and rescinds his trade offer. Uh, his trade uh, demand because he has four years left on his deal and is, is going back to play for the Nets to see if they can make it work. And I think it all kind of flows with what we've seen with Kevin Durant throughout his career. Uh, he wants to be somewhere. He doesn't want to be somewhere. He's mad at the backlash. He went to Golden State. He was surprised at the backlash. He won the rings. It wasn't enough. He didn't feel like he got enough credit for winning the rings. So then he leaves to go to, to Brooklyn with Kyrie. It's not working out like he thought, so he wants out. Then he comes back and says he, he'll stay. So it's just like <laughs> back and forth with KD, where he never really seems to know what he wants, uh, never really takes leadership of, of the situation or, or of his team. And uh, it looks like they're in a mess in, in Brooklyn. And what they thought was going to be a team that could possibly win two or three championships look like they're going to leave there without any by the time it's all said and done. What do you see happen to the Nets? Coming into the season, do you see? Do you feel that Kevin Durant and Kyrie will be on the team come playoff time next year? Uh, I think Kyrie ends up on. I, I don't know why I still feel that way. Um, I think, given the comment that I heard he made to Steve Nash, which kind of may have been like the some people say like the initial breakdown in the relationship that probably can never be repaired where he supposedly told Steve Nash, you need to give Kilby back his MVPs. They said, he said that at a party at Steve Nash's house before the season ever started. Um, and I think that that level of disrespect, like it's kind of hard to come back from that. Um, and I don't know, uh, you know, this team, I mean, you know, they, I still don't, when you look at what they lost to in Boston, like if you give them back Joe Harris and Ben Simmons, who they lacked in that playoff series, um, I, I still don't know if that's sufficient to um, get them over the top. And if Kyrie is in a situation where he's not going to potentially resign, I mean, I, I just don't know what was said. I I, I want to believe that they must have told Kyrie that they would offer him market value or something that he wanted as long as he showed them X, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to believe that the way they back Kevin Durant off, because I would assume that Kevin Durant's fear is y'all are not going to offer Kyrie in the offseason. He's going to walk for nothing. And then you're not going to be able to attract a free agent. And I'm going to be left here for the twilight of my career with no other talent around me other than like Ben Simmons. And we know that's not going to get it done. So just right. fucking get me out of here now. People were saying he was trying to get traded to 76ers, which is just crazy to me to follow James Harden right. and right. play with. Um... So what I assume is they told him and they told Kyrie, listen, if you play something like 75 to 80% of the games, you know, and you show us that you can really dial in, we'll pay you X, Y, Z next season. 
And then I'm sure there, you know, my belief would be that there was some conversation and Kyrie was like, I can do that. And then Kevin Durant was like, all right, I'm good. I don't want to be traded anymore. And what I think both you and I know is Kyrie is unstable. And I think he's at some points, any little thing can piss him off. Right. Um, and I think that at some point something's going to happen and he's going to go back to doing what Kyrie does. Like I saw some t- tweet from him just the other day where he's like, one thing I'm glad about is my dad told me that like there was like a one in something, 1,000 chance of me making it to the NBA, like 0.0003%. So I needed to focus on life outside of basketball. So consequently, I've always known who I was outside of basketball. End, end of tweet. And I'm like, what the fuck? What does it have to do with anything? Like, what? Are you, why are you tweeting this today? Like, and I feel like he's constantly trying to make us aware that basketball is just a thing he does. It doesn't define him. And that's fine. But, I mean, it's in stark contrast to what we saw from Michael Jordan in the, you know. Right. And that's not somebody I want to $40 million a year to. Right. Like, that's if I'm in the trenches, like, the attitude that he seems to have, AD seems to have, I don't think that's the attitude that you want if you're trying to define your legacy and get another championship right and i think he feels like being good is is enough but so yeah to my point i i think something's going to end up giving during the season i think that you know same way draymond and kevin durant were running down the court one person made a comment and that whole dynasty was over right i think we're going to have something like that happen if i'm the nets mm-hmm. i wouldn't give Kyrie a contract if he won mvp this year he the type <laughs> i just wouldn't as soon as you give him the money he ain't sure <laughs> right I, I ain't got no faith in Kyrie. Um, he's gonna wake up one day and be like, I wanna, you know, like he's Muslim now. He's gonna want to take his pilgrimage. He's gonna be like, I'm, I'm going to Mecca. Like, right. See y'all when I'm done. So yeah, I don't I don't know about that. Uh so I'm curious to see what happens with that. We, we got a couple weeks, but I got a couple months before we get basketball real quick. But I just wanted to talk KD right quick because um, you know. I know that was a big story last week, and, and we were just starting back up, so I wanted to holler about that. Um, last thing I want to talk about, and then it, I, I'll, I'll throw it to you to see if you got anything you want to wrap up with. But tennis, one of the goats, greatest of all time, Serena Williams, is about to hang up the cleats, the proverbial cleats, her, her tennis shoes, the racket, whatever you want to call it. Um, this will be her last U.S. Open. Um, some consider her to be she's the, the greatest. Greatest athlete of all time, regardless of sport. Oh, okay. Greatest athlete. Yeah. Uh, some say, you know, go to of tennis. Some say go to women's tennis. Um, you know, that's to be debated at a different time. Uh, but nonetheless, she is, I would say, probably the most decorated, um, most gifted female tennis player of all time. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say she's the best tennis player of all time, regardless of male or female, personally for me. Um, so going out, you know, this is our last, this is our last tournament. What's your, what's your greatest memory? I, I don't think she can, I mean, maybe she could pull off an upset. I don't know. I don't think she can really win it, but what is your greatest Serena moment? I'm going to uh, start with my, uh, least favorite Serena moment. Um, and that's when she was impacted by the Drake curse and she was trying to win all the grand slams in one year. And um, Drake showed up, and I feel like she was winning that game, that that match, and um, uh, ended up ended up losing. But I like my my best memories of Serena are those earliest times because I just remember when she was like, I want to say she was like fifteen or sixteen, and Venus I think had already won Wimbledon one time, and Richard, her father, um, Williams kept saying that she was going to be the better one. And at the time, she was kind of small, like not, not, she was never as tall as Venus, right, but right. she was physically not as large in stature as she is now. And so I never understood why he thought she could be better than Venus because I just thought that the long, lean body was, um, you know, the, um, you know, the tennis body. And... Right. So I think it was probably her first U.S. Open victory where <clears throat> you just finally started to see it. Because when she was younger, she was kind of plagued with unforced errors. But, I mean, realistically, she was like 15, 16 years old. You don't really understand what you're watching at that point. Right. Um, 
And so when she first started to run off those U.S. Open championships and still wearing the beads and everything in her hair, to me, that was that was uh, the epitome of it for me. I mean, there's only one other thing I can compare to it, and it's really watching Tiger Woods, where it was somebody coming into a sport. Um, it and, and it's funny because, you know, I was watching last night and they were doing all of these, you know, tributes to her. And I was kind of watching the white commentators talk about how beautiful her outfit was and complimenting it. And like, how can she top this in the second round, which, you know, she's kind of expected to lose because I think she's against somebody top 10. Um, and they were like, so like basically what is Serena going to wear in her last ever tennis match? And um, I remember when she was insulted for all of that stuff. Right. I remember when the beads were a distraction. I remember when the grunts were too loud. And now Billie Jean King was on television saying how she was always so passionate. And she and the, my favorite thing about her, Billie Jean King said, was she hates to lose. And it's like, man, you had to do all of that in order right. for all the things that they said about you negative to now be considered a positive. That she right. dresses great and she hates to lose. I mean, that was the shit that they talked about her, you know, her entire career. Yeah, so, I think... One of the two marks of greatness to me is when you when you make all your detractors become your fans by the end of it. Like we had a good we had a good like end of high school, early college sports run. We got to see Tiger start his career. We got to see the Williams sisters start their career. <clears throat> high school waiting to be the next great NBA player. But like the one thing, like you mentioned. Serena and Tiger. I, I think the one thing that I respect and admire about Serena. Um, during her tenure that she did more of and and then i think i wanted to see more out of tiger woods was that she was her authentic self the whole time like you said like the way she dressed the beans the front she was herself she refused to change uh to fit the prototypical quote-unquote tennis player um she did it her way and she and she did it the best and i think that was the one thing that i love tiger i'm a big tiger fan but i think that was always you know a lot of people, especially blacks who watched him, felt like he could have done some more things um, as that as the best golfer in the world and being black. And I think Serena um, did everything she could have to to put the the tennis world on notice, uh, you know, and, and and paved the way for future black tennis stars like Naomi Osaka, like Coco Golf, like um, Sloan Stevens, um, you know. So kind of made a way for those girls to get get in the sport and then not be um a big deal but but more so common so and then that first us open i was talking about serena i think was 17. it was uh i think back in 98 or 99 she beat uh martina hingis who at the time we thought was gonna be like um she was bad yeah like she was gonna be like her big rival and the crazy part is after that in the early 2000s there was a run of like it was just Serena and Venus in all of the finals. Like yeah. they were competing against each other for a while in yeah. all of the finals. Yeah, I can't remember after Hingis. You had Martina Hingis. I can't really remember the other girl. Nobody really stepped up. Like you said, it was uh yeah, yeah, Sarah po, po, Pova yeah, came and then she left and Serena owned her. You had Anna Kornikova, but it was more like she was a model sex and she got out real quick. Yeah. yeah. So they I mean they really dominated like 15 years where it was like really not much competition until like the Osaka's and stuff came on the other end. But I, I miss, I miss the excitement of like the, the Williams sisters and Tiger really like in those sports. Like I can remember waking up early to watch the French open on Saturday morning. And like, I miss having, like I wish Dukes had some people like that to like want to make us get up to watch the sport. Cause you, right. you fell in love with people more so than the sport. And yeah, I feel like because these are now. I will say, I mean, I probably watched tennis a little bit more. I never watched golf until Tiger showed up. Mm -hmm. I remember watching, uh, you know, Steffi Graf and Monica uh, Sellis. Monica Sellis. I remember I was watching when Monica Sellis got stabbed. Yeah. So and you had Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras. So so tennis, you know, still. Yeah, they had know, they had a lot of personalities. Yeah. Oh. But. Yeah, I, I, at that age, I would have never thought in a million years that two black women were going to come in and completely dominate the sport for like twenty years. Yeah. So that's uh that's it, man. That's so all 20, I got. Probably twenty five years almost. Right. You know it was like it was late. 90s, it came in it? in the late nineties, and it's yeah. two thousand twenty two. Yeah. That's a crazy run. 
Oh, and on that subject, kind of in the you know still in the sports realm, you got uh LeBron now coming out saying he's on the he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated with both of his sons, and uh, so Bronny is a senior, um, but his other son, um, Bryce, is a sophomore, and now he's saying he wants to play with both of them. I can't see that happening. Bro. He said, "I don't give a shit what anybody has to say about it." <laughs> And he's like, I study rosters. I look at like the draft 2027, who are the top whatever players. He's like, I'm like, he basically, he's like, I don't care what anybody has to say. I'm mapping out like how I can get on a roster with both of them. I mean, when you think about it, he was dropped 50 multiple times last year. His son is a senior in high school. He could go straight pro. We don't think that's going to happen, but he'll probably only play one year of college. And then at that point, it becomes like to get Bryce there is like potentially only three more years. So he would be 40, 41, but Vince Carter played at 40, 41. And so Vince my Carter thing is, was never as good as LeBron. My thing is not so much Braun playing with Bronny. I think that's without a doubt that's going to happen. But to play long enough to play with Bryce and then for Bryce to be good in there. I mean, you, you essentially going to have to strong arm a team to draft Bryce. How you think all of them Kumpo brothers <laughs> ended up in the NBA? <laughs> Them brothers did the skills uh, competition together at the All-Star game, and Giannis did everything. He 100% strong arm the NBA into getting his brother's citizenship and over here. So uh, if he can do it, LeBron can 100%. Um, and his 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 kids are going to have way more training than younger younger Chintacupo brothers did because Giannis came over here raw. So you know his brothers were raw. They're just tremendous athletes, but Bron's kids are actually going to be decent. Um, you know, it just remains to be seen like where they're actually gonna end up, like in the top 100 and all that. Type say of Bryce might be better than Bronny. So yeah, I mean, he's already taller than him, he's already yeah. longer than him. Um, so Bronny might end up, I'm sorry, Bryce might end up being like 6'10 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see. But I I gotta see this. I don't know. I I hope he do it. Shit, I you know, that'd be tight. Give us a reason to watch a regular season NBA game for change. <laughs> right. But, I mean, this is a conversation for another day. But if LeBron James, he's going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar this year. Yes. He's going to become the top scoring basketball player of all time. He's going to have 10 NBA Finals appearances, four championships. If this man plays till he's 42, first of all, he's going to put that number away into the, out the stratosphere. Oh, yeah. He's going to be, like, top five in probably assists and rebounds. And then – he ends his legacy playing with both of his sons in the NBA. Can you write a better story than that? Right. Like the GOAT. Solidified okay. himself. Solidified himself as, as the GOAT. Yeah, I mean, he would have literally come in. You talk about changing the game. Oh, and by the way, Bronny, 6'3", 180 right now. He's the number 35 on ESPN's top 100. I wonder where he's going to go to college. I've been hearing Oregon. Is gonna come after him hard. Obviously, Ohio State's gonna come after him, but he lives in LA, and you know, you're talking about that Nike connection. You know, Phil Knight is gonna put in work um, to to get him to come up there to Oregon. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and in USC, you know, stay yeah. home. UCLA, USC, UCLA, right? Yeah, especially if his dad's still playing for the Lakers. Yeah, interesting. Um, we know how we always end it. What, what you binging? Kane, 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 man, uh, I, you know, with that COVID situation, I watched a little bit of everything. I watched uh, Black Bear. Is that what the one on? Um, yeah, on I gotta check. That's on Apple Hulu, TV. That's on, on Apple, Apple TV. Apple. I watched that. Of course, I'm on this industry on HBO. I'm on this uh, this Game of Thrones uh, prequel on yeah, HBO. What's the one we were talking about on Apple? Severance. Severance. I watched that. Only Murders in the Building. I thought that looked trash. Ended up watching that. Kind of actually enjoyed that. Um, I started The Old Man. That fell off. I really couldn't get into that. I'm going to tell you, The Bear, The Chef, that was cool on Hulu. I watched that. That was good. Surface. Uh, Surface. Surface on Apple TV. I got to check that one out. And then, you you know, Power. Saga is back. Raising Canaan. Raising Canaan. I love the, the introduction music on that, bro. It gets me every time. 
gets me crazy. Every time. Crazy that time. they they just did such a good job doing late '80s, early '90s New York with that. That when I watch it, I just feel like I'm back there. Like I yeah. feel like I'm literally there. The outfits, the parts, and the hair, the jewelry, the Everything. earrings the women oh, wear, yeah. like the slang the people use, the way the projects look. I mean, literally everything looks just like it used to look in New York. Yeah, it's it's it's. I ain't gonna lie, it's, it, they've been doing a good job. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You know, I'm be watching that, and then I'm waiting for uh, season three of of Power with uh, Tyreek. Uh, mm-hmm. Like them. I like them boys. Uh, that's all we got, man. Look, the bet is on. Bring your money. Hundred dollars. I give you the three and a half. God damn it! And uh, we're gonna be live, live on location, Superdome Sunday night. Uh, let's not get carried away. We ain't gonna be live. We ain't five, but I mean, we gonna be that game live. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. All right, later. Yeah, yeah. I'm a hustler, baby. I'm a hustler, yeah. baby. I know heartbreaks, setbacks. Bitch, if I crap out, I'm sure I'ma get back. I've been through the ups and downs. You know I get around, sort of me, sort of part of the game. If I ain't the cold man.